Garage Guys NASCAR podcast is brought to you by Hooters. That's right. Hooters is for race day. Hooters is for garage guys. We all know this. And right now, if you download the Hooters app or go to order.hooters.com and use promo code garage guys, you're going to save $10 on any $30 or more to go order. That offer is valid at participating locations for delivery and carry out orders $30 or more. And use promo code garage guys while dining in just by telling your Hooters waitress about promo code garage guys to save you $10 on any $40 plus dine in order valid at HOA locations for food, non-alcoholic beverages and merchandise. Enjoy your Hooters and enjoy the garage guys NASCAR podcast. Driving that train high on cocaine. Welcome to Cocaine with Kenny. It's a brand new show about NASCAR, and we're hanging out. How are you feeling today? It's going to be a wonderful show. I can't believe it. It's going to be a wonderful time. Chris Bell, you want want Miami, and and, and now we're here, and and we're going to go for it in Martinsville. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? What's up? Well, we're having a good time. We are. We are. It was a great great joke. This This is a special episode. We have a very special guest on the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. It is none other uh, than what has become one of my good friends in the industry, someone I've always looked up to, a man, a myth, a legend. Kenny Wallace is joining us today to recap Homestead and take a look into the Xfinity 500 coming up at Martinsville next week. Uh, Got some betting odds lined up, and we're going to dive into that. But just to start it off, uh, thank you for being here. It's incredible. This is the first time you've been a guest on the, the podcast and not just an interview. Uh, so I thank you for making that happen. But how was your weekend, Herm? What what, what did you get into? I had a good weekend. Uh, went up to Rockford, Illinois for the Illinois Stock Car Hall of Fame. Uh, we know Justin Algar, who runs in the Xfinity Series. Well, his dad and his mom, uh, you know, Mike Algar, we call him Gator, and his mom, Dorothy, they got inducted into the Illinois Stock Car Hall of Fame because uh, – Mike Allgaier and Dorothy, they are uh, Hoosier Tire Midwest. They're the largest tire dealer, basically, in America. And they got a great parts company, and they have really had a lot to do with racing their whole life. So, yeah, I spent uh, Friday, Saturday, and finally came back home Sunday, and uh, we got Gator inducted. And, of course, I was the keynote speaker. Hell yeah, man. I I hope to see some more of that stuff. I love Justin. I actually have not – went well on a bet yet he made a bet with me at bristol last year and told me that i had to buy these weird shoes that have toes on them like barefoot Mm. shoes this is really strange (laughs) i never got around to it but he's a character i love justin allgaier i love the family so that sounds like a fun time uh i was uh i was out in homestead for the first time went to miami it's a that's a crazy track, man. Like when you're watching it on TV, you would never suspect that when you're overlooking it, it's literally just like the land of alligators. It's straight Everglades, um, yeah. and I never knew that. Have you ever? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've been out there plenty of times. Have you ever encountered uh, an actual alligator around that area? So I raced there a lot. I raced there the very first time it was open. Ralph Sanchez was the original owner, and that track was shaped like Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I was the one of the first drivers ever there. And uh, anyway, they're, they're, 
been I've been to Miami a lot. Probably ran as many races as as a lot of drivers. But uh, you're exactly right. It, it it's the um, Everglades almost. I mean, you know, uh, what do we call them? Airboats and gators. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you you know, it's not a big deal to see a gator. I mean, they're they're seriously. I mean, you're going to see way more gators than you are going to see bears out in the you know, wherever bears are from, ten, the mountains in Tennessee. So you're going to see a, a gator before you see a, a bear in the mountains because uh, they just roam around down there. It, you know, you don't, you don't mess with them. Exactly. It reminded me of like the bayou because like I'm from New Orleans. So I was like, I feel like if there was a racetrack in Louisiana, this is what it would be like. And the fan boat thing is big. You remember the movie The Water Boy? Mama oh, was yeah. coming to the game. You know, just imagine just getting up. You on your, your, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I got, I got to pull a Vicky Valancourt this weekend. You remember at the end of that movie, she was like, "The score is going to be thirty-two to 30. And he was, she was like, "Oh, that's." He was like, "That's very cute." She was like, "It ain't no guess. That's what it's going to be." I got to do that this weekend uh, with the picks. I had Christopher Bell to win the race, twelve to one. No one saw that one coming. Uh, and then I also had Blaney. And I had Reddick, and they all finished one, two, three. So, Damn, that's called the trifecta, my man. You should have went to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, well, I, fortunately for me, I got the bets in before I left Louisiana. So it was great. So I locked that in on Friday, got on the plane, got there. We were there with Hooters. Shout out to Hooters, best in the business. Uh, we did a uh, signing out there, uh, met a lot of great people. So as always, Fun weekends when uh, when Hooters are in town. So it was the last uh, race for Chase Elliott to run the Hooters scheme. So we got to do that. And uh, and I think that this was definitely probably my funnest trip. Easily my luckiest betting weekend I've had. We also had the Austin Dillon top 10. A lot of people got to cash in on that one as well. Um, did you, w w just getting right into it, with Christopher Bell winning this now, I think a lot of people probably had him in the back of their mind for Martinsville because of last season. But everyone's been talking so much about his performance on these uh, intermediate tracks and how him and Adam, they're not, they weren't able to really connect it with the pit crew, the timing, and it just worked out this time. Did you see this coming or a possibility of him getting a win at an intermediate track whatsoever? I think Christopher Bell it, it has become quietly good. In other words, we know, I feel like he's, the second best talent in all of NASCAR. You know, I think Kyle Larson is a God-given talent. I feel like Christopher Bell is right there with him. Uh, you know, Kyle Larson just races everywhere, so he's got more chances to be legendary. Uh, Christopher chooses not to do that, and I believe that maybe Joe Gibbs is keeping him in the house and not out on the road, you know, helicopters, uh, airplanes, and I – and I think Christopher's okay with that. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind that sometimes we all forget that Christopher Bell is the second greatest talent uh, probably in motorsports today. Like I said, I'm repeating myself. You know, when you go to the Chili Bowl to watch these legendary open-wheel midgets, whatever it's going to be, it's always going to be Larson and Bell. And finally, finally, I repeat that, it's it's come – to NASCAR, it's come to fruition to where, uh, you know, Bell's team there at Gibbs has showed up. And, uh, you know, 
I'm not saying it. It does not surprise me, but it just finally has shown up. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm at. And you made some great points there, talking about how Chris Bell hasn't ran any dirt races this year. And and this and, and for me, I guess the feeling of bet for betting on him this past week came from just seeing him and Larson challenging each other right there at the end in Las Vegas. Uh, that kind of really, I, I would hope, would have woke some people up to realize, like, okay, here he is. Because I bet on Chris Bell back in Kansas. Like, I, you know, you knew they, he was going to find a way. This car really helps the dirt driver, the dirt extraordinaires. I've had a lot of conversations with with Ricky Stenhouse about that. Him talking about how this car really helps to translate. So in the intermediate style tracks, especially Homestead with these guys riding the wall, you knew it was going to be a dirt guy that was going to have that, that edge and that specialty. A lot of people were going to move in the way of Kyle Larson. He was the favorite to open up the weekend, but with him already securing that win, he wasn't even a thought in my mind because for one, I'm not going to bet on a NASCAR driver to win a race any with, with anything under five to one. I feel like anything under five to one, you're getting into F1 odds territory and I try to refrain from that. I like to take, I want the big wins. I want the big hits. So it's trying to find that guy between the five to one, you know, and the 15 to one range for me, usually. And that's usually typically what you will see on average winning these races when you're looking at all the different sports books. And also, Kyle Larson mentioned after the race, the, I think in his Las Vegas post conference, he made a comment about Joe Gibbs not letting chris bell run these dirt races in the beginning of the year i kind of felt weird about that right but i mean obviously it's it, it took a season but it but something came from it and who's to say what would have happened if he would have been running but you know how joe has his game plan for life i decided to petition for a chris bell game plan for dirt how do we get chris back to the dirt tracks because i feel like if he can push through and power through and win a championship this year I feel like Joe's got to give him a little slack. He's got to let him get back out there and run a little bit. I don't know. So I was at Dover in the hotel casino right off the back straightaway at Dover, and I was playing blackjack with Kyle Larson maybe five years ago. And um, I told him, and, and he'll tell you to this day, I told Kyle Larson, I said, Kyle, focus on NASCAR. That's where you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to make your whole future. I said, your dirt fans will be waiting for you. And, and that's the way I feel with uh, Christopher Bell right now. I, I feel like that, you know, they're, they're both the same drivers, but two different car owners, right? Uh, you know, the only way that Rick Hendrick was able to get Kyle is, is Kyle said, look, you got to let me run my dirt car. And and I do have some inside information on both these drivers. Uh, you know, Kyle Larson was thinking about not even coming back to NASCAR because he was happy just running that sprint car after all, all the drama that, you know, was surrounding Kyle. And he's like, look, I've had it. And, and it, it took some people to go, look, Kyle, you, you've got to, you've got to go back to NASCAR, man. You, you're going to make your whole life, your living. So believe it or not, it was pretty crazy. So Kyle was able to place his demands on Rick. Okay, now, now, now that I've given you that information, let's go over here and let me answer your question. 
uh, Christopher Bell didn't have that. It was either listen to Joe Gibbs or, you know, that's it. Or, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what coach Joe Gibbs was, was going to do, but obviously you don't want to, you don't want to disappoint the man that's paying you millions of dollars a year. So this is really an opportunity for these, these children, these kids, you know, in their late twenties to make millions of dollars. And then, I mean, look, I started dirt racing when I was 44 and I've won 112 races and I've won at Eldora and Volusia, but, uh, you know, not everybody is, is given the same opportunity. So, uh, I think, you know, Kyle Larson won the championship and cup. He said, the hell with it. I'm going racing. And now it's all good. And I think Seabell needs to get something knocked out before he goes and starts flipping in that sprint car. Absolutely. No. And I feel you on that too. And, and it makes a lot more sense now, right? Like the fact that the win came and you, you got to believe that a championship is coming at some point for him because he's, it, it, I think a lot of people forget too. just, you know, he's been here for a minute. I mean, he started this before the gen seven era and, and there's so many new fans coming to NASCAR and with the current group, I feel like it's it's really easy for people to misplace drivers that are actually veteran drivers right now and, and look at them because they're still really young, just forgetting how early on some of these guys start. So there's a lot of background in, in this. I mean, he was with Levine Family Racing, uh, I believe was the team before in the 95 car, I think it was, before he like hopped in and, and moved moved up. So he's been there for at least – what, five, six years now? Yeah. The time. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting here looking right now. So, uh, born December 16th, 1994. How old does that make him? Uh, uh, 26, 27? Yeah, so, I mean, I while you were talking, I was sitting here on, on the Google machine. Let me get my – I'm you know, usually it tells you right here, but, uh, okay. I mean, this guy's done it all, right? Uh, right. So, let's go – uh, 1994 minus two. What year is it? 23? 2023. I'm so glad that you and I have the same math abilities that we, yeah, we have to go to the calculator. Yeah, he's 29 years old. This this guy has done it all, right? I'm not, yeah. It, it's ridiculous. You he doesn't look 29 at all. He he looks really he, – he looks like he's – He's got that Casey Kane skin, don't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He needs to be the one doing the commercials with the hot moms. You remember, you remember Casey Kane was big with that. So oh, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll look for that. Yeah. No, I, I hear you loud and clear. It, it, I guess sometimes I worry. I really, first of all, I really would like to see Christopher Bell win the championship. That way it's done because something in my crawl makes me think he could be that greatest driver like Mark Martin to not win the championship, kind of like Denny Hamlin. I mean, how many drivers in NASCAR Cup right now are the greatest drivers that have never won the Cup championship? I think of Mark Martin. Christopher Bell's been here a little bit now, but, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin. So we got we got Mark Martin, Denny Hamlin. You know, I would like to see Christopher Bell win the championship. Uh, and, and I know Denny Hamlin. I know – Mark Martin. I mean, these guys are great. I mean, Denny's won 50-something races 
in the Cup Series alone. These guys are so good. But these damn championships, man, here's the way I feel about championships. They're meant to be. They should never define you. You know, it, it should never come down to, well, he's great because he won a championship. It should just be, man, he's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame because this guy won 50. I mean, Denny Hamlin is automatically a, you know, a Hall of Famer because look at his damn stats. And Mark Martin's already in the Hall of Fame and he didn't even win a cup championship, but they're champions. So, I mean, you know, as we talk about Christopher Bell and that's who we're talking about, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'd like yeah. to see him win that championship so he doesn't have to deal with, you know, all that. No, absolutely. And look, the thing about the championship is that it's a format. It's subject to change. We've seen you see all these accounts coming out now and talking about the Winston Cup standings. Then you had the chase, uh, the chase for a while. And now you have this new format as well. And a great story that I just heard yesterday uh, the guy, the, my, my studio doubles as a, uh, dirt race shop for my good Hell buddy, yeah. Cody Barber. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting here staring at Hoosier tires right now. And in the other side of the door, yeah, there's that Jags 36. I got, I got my buddy Cody Barber's die cast over here on the wall. Same type wow. of car. And, wow. uh, but he was telling me, I was coming in here. He was working on, uh, his son's cart yesterday. He was telling me a story about the Lucas oil series. And they just had their championship. Ricky Thornton Jr. dominated like all year. And then they decided they all voted to change their format at the beginning at of the, the start year. Of the year. Yeah. And so now it's this hot topic, right? So he kind of keeps me informed with what's happening in the dirt racing world. And now it's this big topic because it's like he had some troubles, ended up having not so great of a finish. And uh, the, the fellow that won this race, you'll probably be able to say his name Hudson before. Hudson O'Neill. Hudson O'Neill. He the only won deal. a couple races. So that's they, they changed that format. That's the result. Will they go back to the old format? Because I personally feel dominance should be rewarded. I like that. But at the same time, coming through in the clutch is another element and another type of who you are as a driver. And that's what C. Bell did in NASCAR this week. And looking at the opportunities that Hudson had in this race, he was able to find a way to get through, and he went home with that 200K. So it's, so it's crazy. I am a hardcore dirt racer. I race dirt every week, and I know everything about this. I did a, I did a YouTube special, and, and my headline for my YouTube special was, We've come to a turning point. Do you want a show or a race? Right now, there's a lot of division in people's brain. Uh, they're compartmentalizing. You you got the the you got the people that are going, I want the old days back. I want a champion. Well, let me remind you, it's not as great as you remember it, okay? Because Matt Kenseth, you look at some of these cup drivers, they wrap the championship up with three weeks to go and it was a yawn fest and it is the fans it's all the fans out there and that's the reason why we are where we're at with the invention of these cell phones and driving through mcdonald's or chick-fil-a to get your food in 30 seconds if you have to wait a minute oh my god and you know all of us now are different we're freaks of nature now we change so much so i, I promise you that if we went back to normal points championship, 
it would it would be very boring. Well, here, Bobby Pierce just won the dirt world of outlaw super late model championship, and he wrapped the championship up with five to go. So what happened on Sunday night at Eldora uh, was kind of a really strange phenomenon. It had to be the most watched dirt race in history. In history. They, they, it was a 100-lap race. They came down to 99 and three-quarter lap. They were going into turn three. Hudson O'Neill slides uh, uh, Moran wins the championship by a half a car length and actually finishes second because Brandon Shepard, who won the race, was running out of gas coming to the checker. It was the greatest show you're ever going to watch. Now, Ricky Thornton was really kind of like supposed to be your champion. He dominated. He won a million dollars. He won 35 races, you know, and it just didn't turn out on that very last race. So we are in a turning point in racing. What do you want? What do you want? And right now, uh, you know, we're, we've gone to game seven in these Major League Baseball deals, yeah. you know. Yeah. We, we, Super Bowl, uh, you know, we got a Super Bowl. We, you know, we got the Miami Dolphins back in the 70s, won every game. And, you know, and then, or I don't know who it was, won every game and then lost the Super Bowl. So it is definitely a conversation. Yeah. No, and I mean, I, I think that that right there, what you were saying about it, that's the only way that it makes sense in my mind, right, is when I was talking with my guy yesterday, I was like, it just, it seems like such a move to try to attract new fans and try to scope in new fans. Because, like, most Dirt fans are very loyal. And like you said, you know, with Chris Bell and Kyle Larson, you're dirt. NASCAR. Right. And dirt so it's, hate NASCAR. it's crazy. And it's now we, we've, we're, we're entering, I've been saying this for two years, and, and it's, it, we're on the cusp of it, but we're in this racing renaissance. And with F1 being on Netflix, it opened the door. And now you got a NASCAR show coming to Netflix. More people that are just in that are into pop culture and entertainment movies, they're finding their way in. And Netflix is doing a great job with sports right now, trying to help to build those bases. And so racing's right there with everything else. Dirt and Flow Racing are doing an incredible job with bringing that uh, to a wider audience. So there's no telling how it's going to continue to evolve and. You also have to wonder, is it just going to kind of be what we see in NASCAR now where you have this in, this fan base where it, it seems like every year you, they don't they, they want all these changes and then the changes come and then they don't want them anymore. And, and then I feel like NASCAR is in this spot where they listen to people too much. They listen to Twitter too much. They listen to fans, these things. Fan, fans don't know what they want. They, yeah. they think they're smart, but they're, they're not. Right. I mean, and I don't mean that mean. Okay, what I mean is they don't know what they want. They're fans. They're not right. they're not in the trenches. They're not in they don't they don't see what everybody says, you know. They're just thinking about themselves. But what we got right now is because that's what the fans wanted and NASCAR listened to them. And they're still watching it. And that's the thing too. They all watch it and they all go, I ain't watching it. In the meanwhile, they're commenting. They're yeah. <laughs> 
It's like if you didn't care about NASCAR, you wouldn't even be commenting on this timeline right now. Right. And that's why I've just become so laid back watching and, and seeing how these things unfold. But I definitely thought that was interesting. I'm looking forward to paying a little more attention to that Lucas Oil series going into 2024. Their decision. Yeah, you bring a good point up. And I said that, too. What is their their decision is going to be bigger than you know the next year? In other right. words, this was the most incredible situation. It was it was the worst scenario, right? Where a man wins thirty five races, has this phenomenal year, and everybody's going. If Ricky Thornton does not win the championship, it's going to be devastating. It's going to be a kick in the gut, and. Like lap eight, he wrecked out. And, you know, the format really didn't do that. Ricky, Ricky's a, a good person. I, I like him. Um, but now, now you're right. So we're going to be waiting to hear. You know, they'll, they'll probably have their banquet. Or they'll maybe they'll announce it at their banquet. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll be tuned in either way. And we'll be uh, keeping up with it on the Garage Guys Report live show as well so the motorsports news for you we try we try to talk about all the different forms of motorsports on that one but getting back into nascar now kind of looking at this championship picture after homestead denny hamlin was the one driver that i had that didn't finish inside the top five is one of my bets he was one of my early picks you really want i really feel like denny has turned a, an interesting leaf this season where this is the first season that I truly believe he might win a championship. It seems like his confidence is at an all-time high. He's embraced this, uh, what, what some may call a villain role, but really I think he has just become in touch with himself through him having a media platform. The more talking you're doing, the more you're communicating, jogging thoughts, you're able to really kind of develop a picture of who you are as a person and what you like, and it makes it easier to really portray that to the people. So Denny's trajectory this year has been amazing to watch. Like he, he's really kind of come into his own uh, and realized like no one is doing these things in this sport. I'm going to take it into my own hands to do this and drive this in a way where it can be kind of like this. Are you not entertained area? Bristol was a big one where he showed that. So now that we're coming up to Martinsville, uh, he had the, you know, he slaps the wall in Homestead. He, he had a, a good car. And I really thought he was going to be able to, to make something happen with it. Broke something in the steering. Not yeah. his fault. Steering yeah. broke. We still haven't found out what broke. It's the cards he was dealt. And I didn't know that fact. So that is something. Because I remember looking. I was sitting up in the box. And we were looking. And when he was coming around, the caution came out. I thought it was something for Brad K Because he was just tailing at the end. And I'm like, what happened? And then I see Denny go down pit road. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, is not what you want at all in that situation. His crew chief, his crew chief uh, Denny Hamlin's crew chief, Chris Gabart, said the tire is still up. There's nothing wrong with the tire. Something broke in the steering. And I'm I'm like you. I, I, I want to find out what. And, th and this is where we get down to uh, who's going to win the championship. Well, hold on. Two years ago, looked like Kyle Larson was going to lose the championship, but he had the best pit stop. And the pit stop got him out front, and he won the championship. So, you know, as you're talking right now, did the broken steering part, did it, has it ruined Denny Hamlin's, you know, year? We, we don't know until Martinsville's over. Right. Same thing with Ricky Thornton talking about that. You just, that, that's the hand you're dealt sometimes, and that's racing, right? 
It's just trying to figure out day by day, week by week, getting your setups and everything else. So Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson are both locked in right now. After this race in Homestead and the points, William Byron and Ryan Blaney are sitting above the cut line. Had a really interesting talk with Ryan on Saturday at Hooters. Him and I got to sit down for about an hour. And I told him, and I was like, Ryan, I had a dream. You were doing donuts. Who was that? He, Ryan Blaney is skinny. Yeah, he's – I well – I feel like he's kind of average. He was eating. He eats a lot, though. He was at Hooters. Him and, him, and G, him and G were at Hooters when Chase was doing his signing. So him yeah. and I are sitting on the side. I mean, he was just he had a whole thing of nachos. He was going down. We were sharing uh, shrimp, some the, the buffalo shrimp. We were just, just having a ball, just talking it out. And he did. He, he had a great race. He's the only guy with Penske right now. So you know they're going to load him up and give him their best uh, week in and week out. He's never won a championship. He's in a great spot right now. Uh, William Byron is as well. And you talk about pit stops. I, I feel like as far as the the pit crew uh, a, as a whole, uh, you know, uh, Rudy and, and the boys, they've been phenomenal. So I think that we're going to get a first-time champion this year, without a doubt. That's how I feel personally inside. I know Kyle Larson wants to dominate. But I just personally feel like the tide is pushing in, a, in an area, and it's still really wide open. Here, here's the way I see Martinsville. A, as you said, uh, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell locked in. In third is William Byron, plus 30. So it's going to take a catastrophic failure, which could happen, to William Byron because it's Martinsville. Martinsville, anything can happen there. You know, hell if you go down a lap or two, you know, but but 30 points is a lot of damn points, man. That's a lot. That's almost a whole field. Um, plus, if you boot scoots and boogie in the first couple, you know, uh, what do they call those things? The stages. Mm -hmm. Had brain fade for a minute. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but, you know, he can gain some more points. Okay, so to me, although third is still volatile because – Things could go bad. I still think it's all about fourth. You, you got your man, uh, and I like Ryan too. He's only plus 10. That is nothing. And then you got Tyler Reddick minus 10. But here's where I think, here's where I think, as they say, upset the cherry card. I don't know where that phrase started, but the cherry card's always meant to be perfect, right? And my two drivers are minus 17. And that's Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex. Both of them can win Martinsville. So it's not far-fetched to see, you know, uh, you know, then the only one left is in this eight. He's, remember, we're only dealing with eight drivers is Chris Busher. It ain't like we're dealing with a field. We're only we, I gotta remind myself, we're going to Martinsville with eight drivers. That's it, eight. And and Busher's minus. 56 so he's out but you know can i guess what i'm saying to you is you got a points race but you got guys that have to win and they can win yeah. that's what's that's what's going to be fun about watching martinsville 
No, I can't wait for it. And I've got some stuff pulled up here, too. I guess this will be a good time to go ahead and transition into Martinsville, the Xfinity 500. We're going to talk about some odds. We're going to talk about uh, what we know going into this weekend. Uh, we've already kind of brushed through uh, the, the championship standings. And so just to kick this off, uh, looking at the, the championship drivers that are left, you mentioned Denny and Martin. I've been on this fade Martin Truex kick, but what I have to understand and realize going into this weekend is Martinsville has been for Martin for a while. This new car hasn't really been the best to him at this track. Uh, you would want to think that it would be better, but it, it's almost like since he's since we moved out of the Gen 6 era, and moved into the Gen 7 era, he had his best finish finally in this new car. Earlier this year, he finished third after starting in fifth. Toyota's been pretty good here. Denny Hamlin as well has shown that he's pretty good, and he's hated at Martinsville. I don't know why. Everybody hates him at Martinsville for some reason. The fans, they booed him. I'll never forget the year that Alex Bowman uh, you know, got into him, spun him, and then he went from that going to uh to to block him from his burnout that was just an all-time moment and so i i can't deny that martin's good now if if we if, if for some reason there's rain on sunday and this race is pushed to monday it is a godsend because monday is for martin you know what i mean oh, I didn't talk about that yeah. i just sent that picture to chris blair okay yeah he's gonna love it. shout out to chris by the way the the brainchild behind cocaine with kenny <laughs> yes well here here's what i think about martin truex i'm listening to you intently and i was thinking that there's a phrase that joe buck uh when our when our cardinals won the 2011 world series he said they just won't go away and, and Martin Truex is that driver this year where Martin had this incredible year going. He He's the perfect example where he tallied up enough points. And there was a race not long ago. I, I think it was, the, you know, the first three of, of the six, you know, we start with, you know, 16, 12, eight, you know, for the playoffs. Well, I think it was right away. He was like, there was no way in hell he was going to move on. And everybody fell out, and he had enough, you know. You know they they, uh, you know they they put you in, they rank you, and he had all these points, right? Right. Martin Truex just won't go away. He had so many points tallied up from early in the year that he has been living on those, and but he's 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 good. He's a champion. And uh, it is paid dividends. So, you know, that, that's listen, every driver we're talking about right now, okay, we're talking about eight drivers that can go to the final four. But in reality, there's only one spot, right? Because we got to remind ourselves, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell locked in, William Byron plus 30. In reality, we're just looking – Who's going to fill that fourth spot? So to me, you know, it's going to be a hell of a show. But I'm looking at who, who I'm looking at, you know, 
those drivers, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, uh, I guess Tyler Reddick, because he's out. He's 10 out, but but 10 out, 10 plus, that's that's 10 spots. So we'll see. We'll Look, see. But we got a I, lot to talk about, but it's it's all going to come to fruition when that checkered flag's over. That's it. And look, I love Red Dog, man. I really do. Red, you know, Tyler Red Dog Reddick, one of my guys. Like I said, I bet on him this past week, and I just feel and I felt like if Tyler was going to punch his ticket, it would have been Homestead. It would have been Homestead, and he was close to it. He was inching to it. Martinsville, I feel like a little bit more time, maybe another year he can learn to adapt to that because that's a tough track. I mean, remember back, Kyle Larson just got – to where he can cross these wins off. It took him time, and he was very public about talking about how it's just not been one of his best tracks. you got to be a driver's driver to get out there and master that thing. So to see Martin Truex go from what he did for the majority of his career, being really good at these intermediates, and then really molded his craft more to a short track racer. Uh, you know, it, I, I can talk all the shit I want to about Martin. I'm a big, I, I love Ryan. Me and Ryan are good buddies. The, the Dover win was magical for both of them this year. It was fantastic. So Martin Trex Jr. is opening on Caesars at nine to one. Uh, he's also over on uh, Bet MGM right now uh, at nine to one. So not he's right around nine to one, maybe ten to one. I, I don't think that that is a bad bet based off of what we know. He's ten to one on Bet Rivers. That's probably where I would take those odds. And and I feel like you can't ignore it because it is. It's a you got to win. And that's the only mentality you can have. It, it's This isn't about, like, let, let's look at our points until stage three comes and then James Small has to make calculations. you got to be mentally going into this thing. I'm going to win this race. If Denny gets in my way, he's not my teammate at that moment. I'm getting around him. I'm going to push it through. And I guess that's kind of where I am. Does Martin Truex have the balls to do those kind of things to, if he's put in those situations? And that's my Wait. only questioning. Wait. You know, listen, uh, by the way, uh, I just put on Twitter. Can you read that? Isn't something that Chris Bell did not win Miami ripping the lip? He ran through the middle. Yeah. You would think he would have ripped top. You would think he would have ripped he top. He ran through the middle the whole damn race. And, and believe it or not, that's the sign of a dirt racer. Mopping the dirt track up, finding, you know, where the moisture is or the best grip. So here's what I uh, here's what I think about Martin. Wonderful man, quiet, uh, different kind of Terry Labonte style, Iceman, you know, cold water in his veins, all that drama. But what's the number one thing that I've been hearing? I'm not going to question you because you might get it wrong. The number one thing I keep hearing is the latest controversial quote out of Martin Truex a week ago was me winning another race will not determine if I retire at the end of the year. So I know he's a champion. I know he's a winner. I know he can compartmentalize, but I keep, I keep hearing that he's still thinking about retiring at the end of this year. Um, now that's what I read. So, I mean, we can Google that, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not 100 well, percent sure. The last I heard, he was already saying he was coming back. When did he say that? Uh, somewhere in the middle of the year. It was very quiet, and it well, was just like keep racing. I just siri that. 
Yeah, we got we got to get we got to get the scoop for real on this because it was okay, a it's, he, that's another th that's an element about him, right? He's so quiet. It's so you you don't it, the news doesn't it. hit. Returning to Joe Gibbs Racing for 2024 NASCAR season, Ammon rumors that he could possibly retire. The 2017 NASCAR Cup Series champion has signed a contract extension to remain the driver. You're right. He he. So I guess what I read is that winning uh, would not make him. I'm coming back. Yeah. So when yeah. did he say that? That's literally all, all he said. said. I think it was after Dover because, like, all he, he walked into the – yeah, because it was a video. Bob Pockers had it, and he just walked in, and, like, Bob asked him. He just looked, and he was like, yeah, I'm coming back. And then he turned away and walked off, and that was how he announced it. <laughs> Let's listen to her. He's so like that is the one thing I do love about Martin. I mean, I kind of have a bit with him, like how I just like fuck with him, but like he's so psychologically free, and I think that that is a part, an element you have to love about him, right? Listen. Because I want to. He doesn't give a shit, and I love that. I missed it uh, because I'm too busy with life. I tell you, you got to uh, defending myself. If, if if you're not up on, if you don't stay, if you don't pay attention to NASCAR every day, you're going to miss it. Mm -hmm. and, and even when I was doing, um, you know, Fox sports for, you know, 15 years, you had to, you had to stay on top of it. You, it's, it's tough, hard. dude. It you is hard. To, you had Yeah. Um, Life gets in the way, man. I mean, I got a wife and I got an eight-year-old son at home. I'm doing this. Yeah. Like, if I don't glue myself here in the daytime and get on this computer, and that's why I really started the Garage Guys Report, which is my new show that still we're kind of evolving, is because I am making this a media outlet, a news media outlet for multiple forms of it. And so well, that keeps 5th. me plugged. So August 5th, he said he's coming back. So August 5th, September 5th. Yeah, he said it two months ago. It so wasn't was your wrong. traditional thing. It was just like he's just nonchalant, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I was wrong right there, but but it wasn't a deal where I was trying to prove I was right either. So no. that's uh we're just so talking, Martin, baby. Martin's coming back, uh, which uh now that changes the way I think. Oh be, because be, okay. and here, here's why, because now he's got that out of the way. I always thought that was bothering him. And it was weird because, like we just said, all year long he's dominating. He's got all these points racked up. And now that he says he's coming back, uh, he's, here he is. I mean, I, I kind of think he's just been hanging around. But, boy, Danny, he's quiet. He's another quiet one, you know. So I'm saying. He is like – like that's why I feel like he's just so mentally detached. He can turn it on and off. And, yeah. and that freedom – can allow you to really just like manifest good results. So, you know, who's to say, but I will say that going into this weekend, I've got to take a pause off of this whole, you know, fade Truex bit that I've been doing. I've been right all up until now, but this is a weekend where I really have to stop and say at nine to one, I don't think it's a bad bet. So I would lean towards him talking about William Byron. I don't necessarily think, William needs to win. Like you're saying with the points, I feel like Rudy and them should just be focusing on a top five finish. If they can do that and they can keep that car nice and clean, not be super risky, 
They can have the great stops because Martinsville has just proven to be a race off pit road. You got to get a good qualifying position, position yourself well with where you're stopping, get in, get out, and that's how you're going to win that thing. So, and that's with this new car. And so until something changes and develops, we're not going to really see anything different. You've got to have that mindset with it. Who has been good at qualifying at Martinsville? Stuart Haas racing for some reason this year. Uh, you know, and none of their guys are in the playoffs. Kevin Harvick's in a retirement year. He was up front earlier in the year leading it until he had that bad stop. Could we see a sneak attack from Kevin Harvick this weekend with SHR having the good qualifying? And right now, Harvick, if you really are a Harvick fan or a Harvick believer or believe that Kevin Harvick could win in a retirement year, I think that his odds right now on Caesar's Sportsbook, he's sitting at 18 to 1 to win this thing. I could see a Ford winning this race. It, and I could see Chris Bush. I'll, I'm going to give him my lock bet for this race uh, when we get done talking. But with SHR being so good with qualifying, Ryan Priest getting the pole earlier in the year, is this maybe a last chance effort now that everyone's kind of like laid off of the, the possibility of Harvick winning for him to just come back up and, and do it and get a one last clock, kind of like a lot of guys have done. Like Jeff Gordon was one that did it in his retirement year. I think it could as, be a cool story. As we talk, you know, I'm very engaged in what you're saying. So when you start talking, I immediately get on and, and try to find some information. And I love that about you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you have, you, have you ever looked at Kevin Harvick's stats? They are fin they're, they're mind-boggling. He's, yeah. he's that friggin' good. I it's mean, incredible. this guy, this guy has won so much in Cup, Xfinity, Truck. Actually, I'm just scrolling and scrolling. I'm trying to find it. I saw it, and I, I just – couldn't believe my eyeballs. If if you look at Kevin Harvick's career stats, they are literally jaw dropping. You're like, how the hell? I didn't know he won. I mean, he won a lot. But when I say a lot, I'm saying this guy was well up in the fifties, fifty wins in each division. Let's what I mean. It, it's it's nuts. So yes. And he's had a storied career, right? He wins the race at Atlanta by a nose when we lost the great Dale Sr. So, um, yeah, let's look at it right here. So, Kevin Harvick. Uh, he's not that great in the last few years. I mean, his best finish in the uh, oh, in the next-gen era was the first race in April where he finished 14th. But every time – in these races at Martinsville, in the last uh, in the in the last two races or last three races, he started inside the top ten. So he's got the position. It's just okay, making sure he can get through the long run. Let's have fun with this. Okay, first of all, we're talking about a lot of we're scrambled eggs a little bit right now. Always. I want to say I want to say two things, then I want to go to the Kevin Harvick stat. Number one, okay, I'm going to go with Larson and William Byron to win the championship. Got it. Boom. Okay, that's that. Now, because you got me thinking, listen to this. Kevin Harvick, why can he win Martin? I'm answering you. You, you, you. You're the one that started talking about Harvick. Okay, listen to this. NASCAR Cup Series career. 
803 races. Now listen to this. 60 wins, 6-0, 442 top tens. Okay, now that's just that's just cup. Yeah. As my as my voice squeals. <laughs> that's just cup. I mean, that guy's got 60 wins in cup. Now hold on, hold on. Xfinity series, 47 wins. Where's your calculator? I'm gonna pull it up. We're big math boys today. Oh, we ain't done yet. Truck series, 14 wins. I mean, my Lord, I don't care if he's only won one championship or not. Okay, let's go. 60. Here, let me clear my calculator. 60 plus 47 plus 14. 121 wins in the highest divisions in America. NASCAR is the highest form of motorsports. This guy, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, I'm sitting here reading his stats. Okay, you know how sometimes people go, okay, you've done it all. Yeah. No, seriously. This guy seriously has done it all. Daytona 500 winner, Brickyard winner, Coke 600 winner. I mean, he's crossed he's the books. Really good at all. Isn't it something how we we forget in life how great somebody is? That's the memory span you were talking about. How everybody seven second attention span. <laughs> so yeah, to answer your question, Harvick winning at Martinsville. Hell, Harvick is Mister Phoenix. He he could be the first. Listen. I'm, I'm going to quit talking in a minute. He's got you two got chances. He's just had such a shit year. You don't want to believe it's going to end out like that. And I really think everyone's forgotten about it at this point. And so this is. is the perfect time to strike. Yeah. And, and you know what else we forgot? Kevin Harvick has the greatest record in the history of anybody at Phoenix. Nobody. I'm going to say this slow so I can hear myself. Everybody that has won a championship in the new cup format has won the race. Okay. They have won the race. Could this be the first time ever? When will the year be that the champion finishes second or third? Can Harvick win Phoenix and the champion finish second? Look at you. You're shining light so bright, I had to put my shades on because we're on the same wavelength, Kenny. We're on the same wavelength, Kenny. The light is so bright. I'm thinking the same way you're thinking right now, man. It just feels like a year of surprises. So if he can't make it happen in Martinsville, I can easily see that happening. The last time that's happened in NASCAR, Kenny, Matt Crafton. Matt Crafton in the truck oh. series. It was the last time we saw a non-champion winner uh, I, I believe in a national series. I can't remember. I think it was two. I think it may be 2019 or 2020 where I, it was, I think Matt Crafton maybe won the championship. And then I can't remember who it was that won the race though, but there was like double burnouts going on. And it was like, it, it feels like that could be the time. And what a calling card. What a story. Last year around this time, we had Ross Chastain, Winning Martinsville and doing the Hell Melon, and that captivated the world. Sports Center. How do we get NASCAR on Sports Center this time?
Kevin Harvick with a walk-off in a retirement year? When's the last time we've had a good driver do a walk-off or just win in a retirement year? I want to say Jeff Gordon at Martinsville was really the last time we've seen it. Since then, it feels like everybody has just had shit years in their retirement year as far as their production, as far as being able to win these races. So at 18-1 to 1 this weekend, and who knows what the odds will be for Phoenix, I'm probably going to just have a little something on Kevin Harvick just for the sake of that argument. Nine wins. Nine wins uh, at Phoenix. The most of anybody leads in all categories. He's the greatest of all time at Phoenix. But listen to this. You bring up the good point. Okay, the last win for Harvick at Phoenix was uh, April 22nd of 2000. Uh, God, is that right? No. Which year are we looking at? Let's see. Hold on. No, 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 no. I'm way wrong. Hold on. I was reading backwards. That was his. Okay. (laughs) So his last win was 2018. But since then, listen to his finishes. Okay. Since since March 11th, 2018, here's what he's finished at Phoenix. Listen. First, fifth, ninth, fifth, second, seventh, sixth, eighth, Six, fifth, fifth. And here, there it all is. There it all is right here. Hell yeah. You go to I I just I just pushed in uh driver averages. I live like a lot of people use racing reference. I love driver averages. I've been using driver averages yeah. since I started doing uh NASCAR DFS. It's just like it's home base for me. So it, I'm yeah. I, I love I love that site that you're on. I'm on that exact same site right now. My God, my, he hasn't finished. Mac. Okay, Harvick has not finished out of the – holy crap. Isn't it amazing? He has not finished out of the top 10 since 2013. Yeah. Where he, where he finished 13th. It's a, lock, it's a lock of the universe for him to get a top 10. That's nuts. At that track, man. Like, I can't tell no, you he, how much money I've made off of Kevin Harvick top 10 in Phoenix. We it's just need bullshit of that. He's good there. Hell yeah. <laughs> so um, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe a little bit this weekend. I'm definitely going to throw a little bit of money on Kevin Harvick. Uh, you know, t- two for the road. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'll put a little bit of money on him for Martinsville this weekend. I'm going to put a little bit of money on him for Phoenix. If I lose that money, it's happy money that I will pay to say thank you for the years of excellence that you have given in this sport and for all the times that you were borderline psycho and got up in people's faces wanting to fight. That's happy. That's the guy I loved. That's the, uh, that's the energy that, that, I, that I come for. So, Harvick, uh, you know, the – Kenny conversation had a great one hour conversation with O'Harv. And he says to me, and I believe him, he says some of that was a show because him and Josh Jones were, you know, Harvick has the most sponsors in the sport of NASCAR. Of course, you know, they, they have, you know, uh, that's what they do. You know, he has all these businesses. Right. So I do believe Harvick. Uh, I asked him about when he jumped over the hood to, Pop Biffle, and he kind of smiled, and he said, well, he said it was a show. I mean, go right back to the Kenny conversation. But, I mean, this guy's got got it going on. You know he's going to go next year when he's done here. You know, he's he's going into the booth with uh, Clint Boyer. They're going to pay him over $2 million a year, and he, he's going to have a good time. He, he's got his son, uh, Keelan, who 
my God, if anybody's ever given a kid a path to be really talented, Delana and Kevin Harvick had, has, has done an incredible job with, with, uh, with, with Keelan. I think Keelan can come along and be like his dad. He's running everything, go-karts, bandoleros, legends cars. Hell, he just won a road course race up, up in uh, Loud, New Hampshire. Yeah, so, he's uh, big into the uh, open wheel karting. Like he might take the Harvick name into IndyCar F1 for all we know. Man, it's raining its ass off here at my house. Oh man, it's nice yeah, and sunny it. down here in Louisiana. Yeah. Right well, anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, well, listen, this is a good talk. I I, I like it when we don't have to uh, be perfect, you know, because we're not. That's but what it, this show is all about, and all of our listeners know that too. We're we we are just bouncing things off of each other it's never structured this is just human beings talking about nascar baby that's what makes this show what it is well what makes this show a little easier too is we're only down to eight cars yeah you know we're only down to eight cars now ninth tenth and eleventh is like we just got done talking about who's going to upset the cherry cart you know who's going to go to phoenix and go oh i'm going to win so and you know so we're we're gonna see. I I think the last two races are gonna be absolutely off the charts. Why? Because of the playoff format, you got positions. You got the last position at Martinsville. It's gonna come. It it can come down to the very last lap. It can. Hey, listen. It did last year. It did last year. Watermelon exactly. Man got into the last spot on the last corner and, and shocked the nation with riding the wall. Now they, they make a rule for him. So they couldn't do it again. Here's <laughs> what's about this. They, they deemed it illegal, right? NASCAR yeah. did. Can never do it again. So what's NASCAR doing on all their social media channels yesterday? They're promoting him riding the wall. Right. What, what am I missing here? I know. They had better as be my, cutting him a check, a fat one. That's all I got to say. As my mama, Judy Wallace, would say, don't insult my intelligence. So my 20-year-olds who are in charge of social media there at NASCAR, uh, they're, they're putting up everything yesterday of Ross Chastain riding the wall. They're promoting it. But they made it illegal. So you, you can't promote something that you cannot do again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand that one. I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm arm in arm with you, man, because it's just it's, it's, hypocrisy is everywhere. But, I mean, that's a, that's a brain buster. I will put it that way. But, I mean, you know why they're doing it, but it, it, it just makes zero sense. And to me, that's what's exposing just how cringe this system maybe has me. become. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, listen, uh, everybody at NASCAR has been wonderful to me. No, I great people. But Daryl Waltram said it best. Just because I talk about a sport doesn't mean I hate NASCAR. I love NASCAR. Mike Kelton is wonderful to me, everybody there. But, you know, listen, I went to South Boston and there was this nice little girl. She was so nice to me and she was covering, uh, the Twitter channel, the X channel, NASCAR Roots. So, you know, I just ran, I just ran South Boston in the cars tour for Dale Jr. Right. And so Filter Time sponsored the car. And this NASCAR Roots uh, 
Twitter operator. She was wonderful. I loved her. And she did a really good job for me because I educated her. We sat down and ate a bologna burger for Elliot Sadler and Hermie. Had a nice bologna burger. I got to talking to her. And she goes, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about NASCAR. I just started not a year ago. Wow. So that gave me a look inside what's going on inside of NASCAR. They're just they're just hiring these 20-year-old kids. And, and it's wonderful. It's all good. But... Sometimes maybe they should have a social media. And I know they have these meetings, but what, and and I'm going to tell you, because I always say, Kenny, if you're going to criticize somebody, tell me how you'd fix it, smart ass. So I'm going to tell you, you should be promoting the fourth and final spot. And you should be dreaming up, you know, the, you know, how do you, that, that last spot. You cannot promote riding the wall when it's illegal. You can't do it. So the fourth and final spot, you know, some, something of that nature. Uh, you see Where's the saying? creativity, you know, it's the passion. And you and, and I love that you are just so open and real and raw about that because that's that's the way that I feel and I've been very outspoken. If I'm going to make something like like you said, everybody has opinions just like everybody has an asshole. What we say is no different than anybody else in the world. It's just what we feel. But when you see some truth and people can really take a step back and look at that, you have to agree with it. I love where you're you're going with it. Your, your approach to the fourth spot, it's just making making more creativity and making sure hiring people that have the passion for the sport, looking at maybe on the interview process, how long have you watched NASCAR? Imagine that office being filled. Cause I, I've been there. I've worked with NASCAR. We had a very short stint there and it didn't last long, but I will say the majority of people that are in that building are, you know, uh, college degrees and, that's about it. And you have some that love NASCAR and some may be looking to go to the NFL or the MLB or the NHL. They're, it's a, they're using it as a platform. How are you ever going to empower your sport when you're looking at things in that, that light? I just don't yeah. get that part. Yeah. Well, it, it was brought to my attention uh, on, on Twitter uh, X. Let me read it to you. I got it right here in my snapshots. That's the way the reason I can bring it up so quick. Yes, so sir. Uh, let me see here. Where's it at? That ain't it right there. Hold on. Come on, Herman. Find it. We want a damn talk. Come on, Herm. I actually just found I uh, read like your uh, your your story about how you got that nickname. I've always loved the nickname. And then uh, finding out how you got it was uh, was was pretty cool. I didn't know I didn't know you were a you were a bad bad Leroy Brown. I didn't know you liked to be a little scrappy they, back in the day. They hated my dad. They yeah. hated my daddy one all the time. So I cleaned my phone up a lot. I must have got rid of it. But somebody came on Twitter uh, and and in, in a kind of a funny way said, well, look at this. We're Let's take you back to last year at NASCAR race at Martinsville and let's promote something that has been deemed illegal. <laughs> so it wasn't my ideal. I, no, I thought, but I didn't I, even and, think about that until you brought it up. Yeah, well, so yeah. anyway, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want a checkered flag or a cookie or anything. I'm just saying. No, that, it makes sense. You know, we, we're, here we are right now talking about Martinsville, and uh, 
the storyline is that fourth and final spot. And who's going to win the race that's not in, you know, this top eight or who's not in the top four. So does somebody outside the top eight win? Does somebody outside the top four win like a Denny Hamlin or a Martin Truex or a Tyler Reddick? Busher. Has Busher won uh, Martinsville? I think he has. I no. – I don't think Chris Buescher has. He, I mean, he's had his most wins in his career this year for the first time. I mean, three wins, uh, Daytona, Richmond, and Michigan. He won the Pocono race before that. He had won a race at Pocono under, uh, but it was under just circumstances where it was like a fog, the fog race, I believe it was. Chris Buescher, though, I just want to give this one out. My lock for Martinsville, my lock bet is on Bet Rivers, Chris Buescher, for a top 10 at plus 135. That is my lock for this weekend. He hasn't had the best results at this track, he, but he qualifies in the top 10. He has done that. So I know that he's got a spearhead. This is his last chance, last opportunity to really be the biggest story of the year. If he's able to clutch win this race, he can do it, but it is going to take making sure that everything is perfect. Brad making sure that if there is a any slightly better differences on his pit crew than Chris's, that needs to be restructured because it was a little lopsided in Las Vegas. It looked like Brad was having way faster pit times than Chris. And if you've got your best guys in that situation, you got to make some rearrangements. I'm not saying that he didn't or he did. I'm just saying that's what was factually showing up on the data. So Chris Busher has an opportunity. I think it is a mortal lock that he will be in the top 10 at plus 135. Bet Rivers, you can lock that in now. Um, but as far as a win goes, it really is just going to come down to executing those pit stops because I do think that a Ford has a shot, which is why I am leaning Blaney. And I'm also going to have to say I'm leaning Truex a little bit now. Um, you know, Bell is another person that could get it done. But let's stick into Busher. I want to hear your thoughts on Chris. And I want to hear, you know, th this has been the year where it, it, you didn't expect it to come. And I'm looking at 2024 to be a – I really think that Roush is ready for a championship after this year. I feel like they can have a lot that they take away from here. So if they don't get it, it's fine, and I don't think they're going to have much pressure because I don't think many people saw Chris Buescher being at this spot right now regardless. Well, first of all, Chris Buescher winning Richmond was a shock. That was a big deal. They, 80 you know, to 1. They, 80 they, to 1. And we had people bet that and make just tons of money this year, Kenny. Yeah. It was insane. So, so that gives you an inside look of what can happen with this new next-gen car. And, I mean, listen, the story in the garage area, and even uh, my brother, Rusty Wallace, said one thing that this new next-gen car, had it has – equalized everybody so in other words years ago you know you you thought these drivers were the most talented drivers number one they are but they found the very best rides so years ago say four or five years ago those teams built a superior car and therefore michael mcdowell uh you know ross chastain Chris Buescher, they were not going to win years ago. Right. It was about money. They were not going to win because their teams could not build 
a superior car. Now, nowadays, everybody goes and buys the exact same car. And now you got Chris Busher winning. You got Ross Chastain winning. You got Michael McDowell winning. Uh, you've got people that are now showing up. So Chris Busher and Brad Keselowski, you know, what do we call it? Roush Fenway Keselowski mm -hmm. has been saved by the new next gen car because now that has brought them, they got exactly what everybody's got. They don't, you know, everybody's got, listen, I went there. I watched the cars be built. I was in Charlotte two weeks ago where they build the cars. Now they build them in Michigan and they also do a lot of lighter work in North Carolina. I walked in there. Everybody's got the same damn car. Uh, now there are some small adjustments, air pressure, wheel weights, but you're not going to, create a piece. And I believe that's where Busher, and that's why he has showed up this year because he's always been a good driver. And now he got same cars everybody else. So Busher winning. If, if Busher wins Martinsville, you just go, oh, he won Martinsville because they trained us now. They trained us. And I mean, for a while there in the middle of the year, it's like, damn, this Michael McDowell going to win a lot this year. So, that's just what is going on with this new car. Right. And I love it too, man. Like, like I was saying, talking with Ricky Stenhouse, he's become one of my, my good buddies over the last few years and him talking about how it really helps with the dirt guys and how it's evolved in that. It really just brings the driver to the surface. It's not so much about the car anymore. It's about the, cause you have to figure out all these different areas of setup. And I think the only thing that they're allowed to buy on this car is like nuts and bolts. So they can bring their own nuts and bolts to the table from what I've heard. I don't really think that's making much of a difference. And I think why we saw a lot of the tire problems is because they were playing around with pressures and sometimes and like this year we've seen less and less of it. So you realize, okay, we can't go that deep. We can't go this much. You know, these things will happen. So everybody's blaming Goodyear. I really feel like it now it was more on the, the side of the team, just trying to figure out where's this edge. So when the, Nine, nine times out of 10, when these tires blow out, now remind you, I said nine times out of 10, when these tires blow out, it's always the team's fault. Because what happens is Goodyear goes, okay, you have to run 36 pounds of air in the right rear. Goodyear says, you have to run 36 pounds of air in the right rear. And Goodyear sends all the engineers every single week the dynamics of the tires. All these engineers, they get all the information. And then what happens is the engineers go, if you take this tire pressure down to 33, you're going to get more grip, but it's going to be dangerous. And that's what happens. Goodyear says air pressure 36. They go down to 32. They blow the tire out. Boom. It's the team's fault. And yep. you always got to ask yourselves, when teams start blowing tires out, how come the whole field don't blow the tires out? Right. It's because they all take it easy. Yeah. They, you, once you understand something and you're able to, to take that data in, you know you're, you're either going to continue making that mistake or you're going to learn from it and move forward. It's, it's what helped Tyler Reddick win at Texas last year. 
It's because they're like, okay, well, let everybody else keep keep messing up like this, and we're just going to cruise back. You might not be the fastest, but when you play the long game, you can make it happen. This year we've seen less of it, and it really has just – it's going to continue to evolve and build, and those are the things that we know. But, you know, it, it really is – once you get down to these last two races, like you say, Kenny, it's just it, – it's, it's harder and harder to figure it out. So I'm always looking for a storyline. I'm always looking for a narrative because at the end of the day – it is sports, it is competition, but there is entertainment elements inside of that. And when there's entertainment elements inside, there's always a story to be had and a, and a, and a, a trail to be navigated. The, the, the other element is, is not a bad one, but it will be in the driver's meeting. They do it every single year. They're going to get to Phoenix, and you're going to go into the cup driver's meeting. And the president, Steve Phelps, somebody at NASCAR is going to stand up and they're going to go, okay, gentlemen, our four drivers in the championship today here at Phoenix are fighting for a championship. You do not want to be that driver to go down in history that you ruined this driver's chance. So what I'm saying is you're going to have those four drivers with a little bit of freedom, a little more room on the track because – you know, those other drivers, you don't want to be that driver. Well, you know, Kyle Larson had the championship won, but he was taken out by a lap car, uh, you know, racing him, trying to get back on the lead lap. So that is a dynamic. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you get down to the end there, people start moving out of the way. Uh, and, and that is a dynamic. It's not talked about much. Of course, I ran 905 NASCAR races, so I know everything. I'm not right. being a smart ass. I just I know what's going on, right? I'm jaded. I know too much. It's the real yeah. information you're getting right here. But, yeah, but that that you know when, when you get to watching that race at Phoenix, and all of a sudden you see cars moving out of the way, and you're a fan. You want to see a jam car. You want to see a lap car create catastrophic situation. Nine times out of ten, those guys are remembering what. You know, hey, listen, I've, I've had NASCAR. I've had Mike Helton say, Herman, I don't want to be the one to ruin your career. Right. That NASCAR can ruin your career. You, so you're going to play by these rules. You ain't, you're going to make asses out of us. So, And, and you can see what's been going on with this, with this new world that we're living in. That You better play by the rules. Yeah. I, I, look, trust me, if there's one thing I can say, I have learned a ton. We're going to close this out. I just wanted to say thank you. I wanted to say thank you for being here. This has been good. This has been good to kind of jog and throw these thoughts around. We got your picks, William Byron, Kyle Larson, to win the championship is what you're rolling with. This weekend, we've talked a little bit more leans. You can find my picks on Action Network. Uh, make sure you watch Kenny Conversation on YouTube. Download the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Always has great talks, great people. One of my favorite human beings in the world right here. Uh, can't thank you enough. This has been the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. We will catch you this weekend to update you on odds while we go to Martinsville. Take care. <laughs>